I'm going to just say this once. Shalini's uncle, he's a younger guy. He's only a little bit older than Shalini herself. And I do feel like at times he comes across as a little flirty with her. They had apparently originally wanted someone else to play the uncle. Oh, really? Do you know who? Om Puri. Oh my god, it's our guy! (gasps) Oh, that guy! So he actually would have definitely put out some uncle vibes. Much more avuncular in his vibes, for sure. Two White Girls Talk Bollywood. I'm Kim. And I'm Katie. And we are here to talk about singing and dancing and Bollywood boys. We are indeed, and in particular, the the three lovely Bollywood boys of Dil Chatehay. <laughs> yes, a movie that is completely new to both of us. Yeah. Which is really exciting. This is the first one that we are talking about on this podcast that we have not seen before. Yeah. And we don't actually know what each other's opinions or thoughts are. I know. I'm, I'm glad that we've kept each other in the dark up to this point. So we'll see what happens. We knew that this would be a safe choice because we are always in good hands with a movie that is written and directed by Farhan Akhtar. Mm-hmm. This was the first movie that he wrote and directed. And of course, Javed Akhtar and Zoya Akhtar are also involved in the creation of this film. Yeah. I was surprised to see that it is his first film that he wrote and directed. I think there is like a level of maturity to it that I don't know how old he was. So what, it was 2001. He was 26, 27, like, you know, mid-20s when he's writing it. Yeah. Yeah. So that, I don't know. It just still surprises me. Like, I know that these actors are also all really talented actors, which I think does yeah. help, but the emotions and the subtlety with which they act and the dialogue, which I know mm-hmm. Farron Akhtar has talked about before, that yeah. he wanted the dialogue to be really accessible to yeah. just normal people. It struck me. Well done, Farron Akhtar. Yeah, absolutely. He obviously grew up in the Bollywood world. You know, mm-hmm. his dad has been big in Bollywood. I think he had done some work as an assistant director on films before. So he had been in this world and gotten to know it. And so it, I definitely think he deserves a lot of credit for being so young and being able to write something this full and rich. And also it makes sense given that he had spent a lot of time in that world. And, and yeah, he really, he did a great job with this. We have in our three leading male roles, we have Amir. Khan as Akash, we have Saif Ali Khan as Samir, and we have Akshay Khanna as Siddharth, who was totally new to me. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I love him. He's adorable. He's so cute. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, when I first saw him, I was like, oh, he's cute. And then throughout the film, I was just like, oh my god, I would marry Sid. Sid is my choice. Um, well, see, and now that's, this is the first point where we disagree because Samir would be my choice because this, mm-hmm. I am now officially solidly in love with Saif Ali Khan after Great. this movie. I've always had an appreciation for him and now here I am like fully crushing on him. <laughs> he has this very like cute kind of silly way about him, but uh-huh. then he's earnest too. Oh, so earnest. Yeah. <laughs> And then we also have uh, the wonderful Preeti Zinta is Shalini. We have Sonali Kolkarni as Pooja and Dimple Kapadia as Tara. Did you recognize her? She seemed familiar to me, but I can't tell you why. She was the like boss lady in Patan. Oh my god. What a great character she is in Patan. Yes. I really liked her. Yeah, she she is a great character in that. She's she's a great actress. I I really I really enjoyed seeing her in this. This movie starts off on a sad note. <laughs> yeah. We open on an ambulance driving along a rain-soaked highway. Um, and we see a woman being wheeled into the hospital on a gurney. She's accompanied by a young man who we find out is Siddharth or Sid. We do learn that she is dying of cirrhosis of the liver. So Sid is in the hospital. He's in the waiting room. He calls his friend Samir to explain what has happened. Um, and Samir is very supportive. He says he's going to get in the car and head right over to the hospital to be with him. And he calls a third friend, Akash. 
-hmm. But Akash says that he is not going to come to the hospital. And he says very cryptically, like, no, we need to leave things where they are. We're already seeing that there's some tension here among, among these three men. Um, Samir arrives at the hospital. It's clear that he and Sid haven't seen each other for a while. They chat a little bit. They're kind of catching up with one another. And Samir shares that he is thinking about getting married soon. Yeah. And Akash is also thinking about getting married soon. And this really comes as a surprise (laughs) to Sid. He's totally shocked by this. And then we flash back to a party (laughs) and we get to see this in action it's a graduation party the three boys have just graduated from college um, and we're getting the vibe of all three of them Sid is the sensitive artsy Mm -hmm. type Um, Samir is a hopeless romantic I accidentally wrote hapless romantic I I think he's both (laughs) I think he's a hopeless and hapless romantic and Akash is he's like a total jokester he doesn't take anything seriously including love Akash's facial hair is so 2001 I'm so glad you brought it up I just wanted so many times throughout this film I just wanted to like rip it off his chin he's got the tiny what do you call it soul patch soul patch right yeah like just under his lip just a tiny little bit yeah I don't like it yeah and I was just like stop but also in this disco scene Samir is wearing the best shiny silver pants (laughs) I mean this movie is like at times offensively 2001 fashions but that's always a fun element in these films anyway Akash takes note of this beautiful woman he wants to get her attention and so he goes up on stage and he gives a little speech to his classmates and he says he's going to dedicate a song to them um, and then we are into our first dance number Koi Kahe Keta Rahe this is a real fun song to start us off it's yes. super energetic there's lots of jumping <laughs> it made my knees hurt just watching yes. them <laughs> yes Lots and lots of hopping, for sure. I will say it really looks a lot more like an exercise routine to mm-hmm. me than a dance. <laughs> Which but that's okay. It's still fun. I had a realization in this scene, and it just continued to be solidified for me throughout the movie. Amir Khan really gives me, like, Tom Hanks vibes. I can see that. Yeah. And I have seen him in some of his early mo- Well, just one early movie that he was in in, like, the 90s. And he mm-hmm. has that same youthful charm that I feel like Tom Hanks had in in his early career. I do think that there are some facial structure similarities. Yes, I agree with that too. Yeah, like the ears stick out a little bit, which we know we both love. Yep, love it. (laughs) We love sticky out ears. Uh Um, I hadn't thought of that myself, but now that you've said it, I'm never going to unsee it. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) look out for it. So after this dance number, Akash goes and he chats with the lady who he noticed before. Um, This is Shalini. And she explains that she is here with someone else, but Akash Mm. does not take the hint. He ignores this and he continues to flirt with her. It's not terrible. It's it's not like, oh my God, he's a disgusting human being, but I don't love it. No, I agree. It's sort of like he's trying to make it seem like now he's just striking up a conversation with this lady, but it's like it's clear what your intentions were coming over here, and she said that she's not interested, so please move on. But, like, he didn't even really let her get out the words. He just kept cutting her off, and I was like, oh, you're, like, the kind of male that I hate. Akash is not a great guy. No. And there are some things that are redeeming about him, but then other times where he, like, goes against those redeeming qualities. We'll talk about it. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, I I know we'll talk about him moving forward, but there is this part where I'm like, Samir, as we've talked about, is so earnest, which we'll see, and Sid is such a sweetheart. And then you kind of wonder, like, why is Akash part of this trio? And I think you could say that in every friend group, you know, you have to have kind of a louder, brash... Yeah. person. Um, he balances it out in that way. Right. I also think he is very charismatic and he is probably very entertaining, which is really fun a lot of the time. But then as we will see, it's also kind of frustrating and annoying yes. at times. And Absolutely. And I think that that's one of the yeah. things that's really 
well done about this movie is that dynamic it comes into conflict with the other characters at certain points so he's flirting with Shalini and then Shalini's fiance Rohit comes up and just punches Akash in the face so after the party there's a whole thing where Akash sabotages Samir's relationship which is horrible the suggestion here is that this woman who Samir is with is like controlling and they weren't a good fit for each other but like that's not Akash's call to make no and Um, I also, we, we again, see this throughout the film too, but it does seem like Akash is kind of just jealous and overly possessive of his friends. Mm, like, yes. I don't think he wants anyone to find love because he just wants to exist in this world that they're currently in where it's just the three of them hanging out, yeah. having a good time without these other responsibilities or people that they would want to spend time with. So it's very think- like, childlike in that way. Yes. You know, we we understand that Akash does not believe in love and he doesn't mm-hmm. think anybody else should believe in love either. He's right. Like, that shouldn't be anybody's priority. And I just so, read that as very selfish. It does. Behavior. Very selfish, yeah. very immature. Sid, who is neither selfish Ugh. nor immature. <laughs> love him. <laughs> um, he meets a woman. This woman's name is Tara and they strike up a friendship. Tara is a little older mm-hmm. than Sid, but it becomes very clear as, you know, the scenes with them progress that he has some very strong romantic feelings for her. Yes. Sid shows Tara his artwork, which is a very vulnerable thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and Tara, like, immediately gets Sid. Yeah. But so then it's time for a road trip to Goa. Because of that, course. <laughs> that always is appropriate. And we hear, as they're road tripping, we get the, the title track, Dil Chatehe. And the boys are admiring the scenery. This is where we see Samir in the patchwork pants. Yes. That, like, really hurt my soul (laughs) Um, i said they were great kim i don't know what you're talking about this again (laughs) this is a point of contention here the patchwork pants also in this number we see there are some white ladies who are checking Mm -hmm. out samir on the beach one white lady in particular who we'll see more of um later on in the middle of the song we see the boys staring out at the water um and akash is like man it's great here we should spend a week together in goa every year And then Sid sees a ship on the horizon and he's like, no, we're like ships passing over the horizon. We don't know. Our destinations might be different. Sid's deep. (laughs) He's such an artist. (laughs) Um, And Akash is like, no, man, we're going to be friends for life. So Akash and Sid leave Goa Mm -hmm. um, and they leave Samir behind (laughs) because he has decided that he wants to stay and continue hanging out with one of the white women that he has met. Her name is Christine and I felt very seen in this moment because Christine (laughs) is my middle name and it is also spelled with a K which is the less common spelling of Christine. Mm -hmm. Um, So that I felt strongly connected to this white lady Uh so definitely a we could be that white lady moment but then... And she turns out to not be a nice person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when they get back, Sid goes to visit Tara, and we learn that she actually has a daughter from a previous marriage who she is not yeah. allowed to see because her husband, her ex-husband, who dumped her on her birthday, <sighs> he accused her of being an alcoholic and therefore an unfit mother in court. It is very apparent that she is an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. It is not apparent that she is an unfit mother. Those two things no. are not necessarily the same yeah, thing. I did want to say that when she said that her birthday, she was like, it was on April 9th, 1995. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh my god, that's like 11 days before and, my birthday. And like, then just under two weeks later. <laughs> Katie was born. <laughs> I mean, that's like when we were reading the, the Shah Rukh Khan book, that was like mm-hmm. his career. Yeah. Um, his career launched in like May of 1992, like his TV show where one of his first yeah. movies came out. And I was like, and then shortly thereafter, <laughs> his biggest fan was born. This anyway. little baby who never knew that her, her future would intertwine with Shah Rukh Khan's. Exactly. Yep. That's the real story. Sid learns this about Tara. He's not swayed in any way from his strong feelings for her. And he tells her that he wants to paint her. So next we see Akasha's parents who are asking him what he's going to do with his life. He does not have a good answer to this question. He clearly has not given it any thought. Um, And so his dad is like, all right, I'm sending you to Australia to run the family business there. Poor Samir arrives back at home. Um, His tie with Christine did not end well. She was, in fact, conning him. It was a honey trap. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Poor baby boy ends up, like, tied up 
in his hotel room and she and her presumably boyfriend, real boyfriend, rob him. And he tells his friends this and they just laugh at him. And I'm like, yeah. this is deeply traumatizing what has happened to poor Samir. Yeah. Like, I don't know how he's ever going to feel safe again. I know. Poor boy. So after this, Sid invites Tara over to actually get to do this painting of her. And we get a love song. Yeah. <laughs> Casey Hey Yerut, which is a lot. This love song is a lot. <laughs> it's like it's like Sid is in a painting. Multiple yes. paintings. It is, yes. He is standing on the moon and some dolphins. <laughs> yeah. I know, I was like, what are you on? <laughs> I know, he's tripping. Um, and he's in a field with some bubbles. Um <laughs> But so he finishes the painting, Tara loves it. We now bop to Samir, whose parents have set up an arranged marriage for him, like, you Mm -hmm. know, a meeting about an arranged marriage. And he at first is like, no, gosh, I don't want to have an arranged marriage. And then he meets the woman, Pooja, and he's like, "Ah, maybe it won't be so bad. (laughs) He literally, he comes out of his room and there's just this couple (laughs) in his living room and he's like, oh, hey. And then his mom is like, hey, by the way, this is what's happening. And yeah. then, like, Pooja shows up, like, five minutes later. Yep. This gets really sprung <laughs> on him, for sure. And then I love, he, like, very awkwardly comes in with her, and he's like, these are my parents, and these are your parents. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's very cute and, yeah. like, kind of bumbly, and, and I do I, like I think him. that that's why I fell in love with him, because I've never seen Saif Ali Khan play this kind of character, and he mm-hmm. did it so well. But so Samir and Pooja go and chat in private and he starts to say to her, like, I was against this. And <laughs> like clearly he's planning ago. to say, but now I'm not. And yeah, five minutes ago. But Pooja interrupts him and she's like, oh, good. I'm so glad you're against this. I don't want this either. And she, you know, she says she thinks that all marriages should be love marriages. Mm-hmm. Um, and she reveals that she's got a boyfriend. And Samir's like, oh, <laughs> so you've got someone you love. And she's like, eh, I'm not quite sure yet if I'm there with him. So she leaves the door just a little bit open. So Samir tells his friends that he's fallen in love. Akash is like, oh, don't worry about it. Like, you'll be in love with someone else in a few months. Um, which is a little mean, but is also does I seem like very a accurate. Yeah. yeah. But Samir's like, no, this is real love. Before this, all I've ever felt is attraction. But this is love. Which they barely talked. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was just like, oh, my God, Samir. And I think this was where I was not fully on Samir's bandwagon. I agree. Yep. Yeah. I was just like, dude, just acknowledge that you think she's pretty. Yes. But thinking someone's pretty isn't the same as being in love with them. Like, stop being so dramatic. So it's Tara's birthday after this, and Sid goes to her house. He brings her some flowers. Um, and she first is really excited because she is going to see her daughter. Her daughter has made this plan to, like, sneak out and pretend she's going to a friend's birthday so that she can see her mom. Mm-hmm. And she's really excited about the prospect of getting to see her. It's been a long time. And then her daughter's dad calls. The dad's like, nope, absolutely not, not going to happen. And so Tara is like completely distraught by this. But Sid is very sweet. He's he's very sympathetic. And he's like, no, don't be sad. Come out with me. And so he and Samir and Akash <laughs> take her out to dinner. And it is so sweet. Like yeah. they are just being so adorable. They sing happy birthday to her. Um, Akash like invites her to dance. So they really, they, they do cheer her up. Yeah. And then we take a hard pivot in the other direction. <sighs> Um, yep. <laughs> because Sid confesses that he is in love with Tara. Mm-hmm. And the boys just laugh at him. They're always laughing at each other in these very serious moments, and I hate it. Right, and I'm like, is this what male friendships are like? I, it can't be what all of them are like. like. I know, and this has come up before. Katie and I do not understand male-to-male <laughs> friendships in these movies. They always seem so unhealthy. <laughs> and I think it's hard because I don't have any personal experiences. No, exactly. You know? With that, <laughs> I just know that my friends and I have never just outright laughed at each other when we earnestly mm. said, you know, I have feelings I have for feelings. this person. Yeah. 
they laugh at him and then like when it becomes clear that he's being mm-hmm. serious he gets upset he gets out of the car they follow him and they express that their concern is not just that she's an older woman she's 15 years older than him mm-hmm. but she has a drinking problem yeah. she has a kind of crappy ex-husband mm-hmm. and she has a daughter so she's got a lot of there's a lot of complicated stuff right and here and I think it's great that they brought it up and that yes. they bring it up in a serious way in a hey man we just want you to think about these these aspects of this potential relationship and we're here to like talk you through it but that should have been the reaction like right off the bat <laughs> exactly Akash then implies that Sid is only interested in Tara for sex <sighs> and you know because she's more experienced which and is just slaps him. Yeah, it was so gross how Akash brought it up. I'm, I don't condone violence, but Akash deserved some form of being put in his place. He definitely did. And Sid goes on to then verbally put Akash in his place. And he says he needs to grow up and he mm-hmm. needs to start taking things seriously. And I could not agree more. Yeah. Akash walks off, he's furious, and poor sweet Samir is, like, just standing there stuck in the middle of his two best friends who are fighting. And this is the mood with which we go into intermission, and then we we start Act 2. I was surprised that this was the fight. That this was the catalyst that would lead to Akash not coming to the hospital. Because it didn't really feel like anything that was that big, and I do fully think Akash was in the wrong. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I was trying to understand. I'm like, okay, Akash, like, what's going on with you? And I understand that you've just been told by your parents that you need to grow up and that they're shipping you off to Australia. And now you have your friend telling you you need to grow up. And so you're probably dealing with some inner turmoil. But like, it should only take a day or two of thinking about this for you to realize that you did cross a line and then apologize. Yes. Anyway. Those are my thoughts heading into intermission. I completely agree with you. But we come to understand in just a little bit here another kind of factor of why they remain, you know, distant from one another. But so first of all, we're back in the hospital at the top of Act 2. Samir is saying to Sid that he remembers that night vividly. He was totally shocked by it. He never would have Mm -hmm. thought that Akash would have acted that way. And he says that he went to see Akash the next morning. And so we see that happen. Samir arrives at Akash's house. He's wearing a semi-transparent shirt, which is great. And Akash is gloomily sitting in his room (laughs) listening to Sting. (laughs) I know. I said that he's angsty listening to Sting. I was just so shocked by it. Me too. I'm so glad. I like saw your smile start and I was like, oh my gosh, Katie also is going to say something about Sting. <laughs> you're, you're, you're watching a Bollywood film from the, like 2001. You know what you don't expect to hear randomly <laughs> playing super loudly? Sting's Desert Rose. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> But we've all, you know, we've all been there. We've all, there, there there are moments in life where sting and that level of like <laughs> angst and emotion is really what you need. But so Samir is trying to get Akash to make up with Sid, but Akash is just like, no. So then Samir goes to Sid's house, but Sid has left. He's been accepted into this like prestigious painting workshop. So he's there. And then Akash goes to Australia. Yep. Um, on his flight to Australia, <laughs> who does Akash end up sitting next to but Shalini? Mm-hmm. Um, and she is on her way to visit her uncle. And Akash apologizes to her, um, and he asks her to show him around Sydney because he's never been there before. So they're in now they're in Australia. Shalini and Akash strike up a friendship. Akash, you know, reveals to Shalini his feelings about love, which is that he doesn't think it exists. And Shalini is like, nah, you're gonna fall in love someday. And we also learn that Shalini's fiance Rohit is a really controlling guy. And he doesn't like the idea of Shalini and Akash hanging out together. Mm-hmm. But I really like that Shalini, one, she continues to hang out with Akash, even though her fiancé doesn't like it, understanding that that's a really controlling thing for him to do. And two, she keeps telling him about it. Like, she's not keeping <laughs> yeah. it a secret. I really, I liked that choice. And I think that says a lot about Shalini's character. She's great. But meanwhile, Samir, back home, is, uh, he has orchestrated an accidental meetup with Pooja, where he, like, accidentally bumps into her at a restaurant but he because basically he follows, follows her, her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so she's at the restaurant with her boyfriend Subod and 
there's a great moment here yeah. where he like he he joins them at the table and he like turns around and grabs the chair out from underneath the woman who's about to sit in it. Yeah. <laughs> so she falls to the ground. And she falls to the ground and he just like sits down and there's people like yelling at him and he's just kind of ignoring them. Yeah. <laughs> What a weird choice, because he was invited to join, like, Pooja and her boyfriend, and then as Samir's, like, sitting down and talking with them, he learns from her boyfriend that it's their, like, five-month anniversary. Yes. And I'm like, how weird and awkward that you invited him (laughs) to join you. Yes. And I think what we come to understand is, one, that Subod is a weird and awkward guy. (laughs) Um, And Pooja is also not super into him. Anyway, Samir is adorable and, again, super, super earnest and precious. um, And he asks Pooja if they can hang out sometime. Yeah. Um, And Pooja's like, yeah, that'd be great. So then back in Australia, Akash and Shalini are continuing to hang out. We get um, another song with the two of them, uh, Jane Kyun Log. There's some didgeridoos in yeah. this song, which is great. Love it. That gives us the right location here. It's a really fun, yeah. fun dance number. It's a good one. So after this number, Akash and Shalini, they're at like a boardwalk. They have a great time. They're having fun. They're leaving. They're running to catch a train. And he makes it on the train, but the doors shut right behind him and she doesn't make it on. And they're just like staring at each other through the window. This is an intense moment and is yeah. honestly one of my favorite scenes in the movie. It is really good. I'm excited to talk about it because, yeah, it is this like very sudden switch from this lighthearted, mm-hmm. goofy, like, oh, haha, we're running. And then suddenly like a, oh. And that is one of my absolute favorite things in film or in, in any kind of media is a sudden shift in tone like that. Mm-hmm. That's well executed. Just, oh, it always gets me. Yeah. Um, but so the train pulls out of the station and Shalini is just alone on the platform. It's late at night. Mm-hmm. There's no one else around except for several like creepy looking men. Yeah. And so she goes, she's sitting on a bench and one of these kind of sketchy looking guys and starts mm-hmm. wandering up to her. And she is like, you know, desperately trying to make herself as small as possible, trying to not to make eye contact, like trying to just be like, okay, maybe he'll walk by me. But she's clearly really scared of what might happen here. And then over the man's shoulder, we see that Akash has like clearly very quickly like gotten off at the next station and like run, and run. back. So he's <laughs> yeah. he's like running back down the stairs to her. He hasn't really realized the danger of this because he's a man. Why would he why would he sense that? And so he comes running up to her and he's like, hey, here I am. And then he realizes this man who has kind of like sauntered over. He has not mm-hmm. sauntered, has kind of like creepily approached her. And so he turns and he's giving him like this super intense stare. And I yeah. was like, oh, my God, I really like don't get in a you fight don't want him with to this fight. Like, older yeah. man. And then he just hugs him. Yeah. He was hugging him because he was like, don't worry, I'm here now. Was she scaring you? Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like, just totally makes light of this moment and the man wanders off. But I just, I mean, first of all, don't ever do this because you could very easily, like, end up getting in a fight with a person. And, like, like, in reality, this would not be a good way to approach this situation. Right. But, like, the spirit of it, I really liked. And I liked that this was, in this moment, a, a a way of showing how different Akash is from Rohit. Mm -hmm. Like, he is going to break this tension with comedy and humor and not with violence. And then as the movie goes on, we see that Akash does actually have some of these like violent and possessive tendencies. So I liked this moment getting to see that. Yeah. I also like that he did not resort to violence um, when I definitely expected him to. And I was like, ugh please don't like this isn't what we want no i do have conflicting feelings about this scene in general Mm -hmm. look because we're women we've been alone in sketchy places at times and like so i definitely understand the danger there like women have been assaulted and hurt and murdered and all this really horrible stuff but the frequency of that happening Mm -hmm. is not as high as as it feels to us because we keep seeing it in media. Like, it is constantly Mm. present. But the odds of that actually happening to you, like, the majority of people out there are good. And maybe I'm naive in saying that. But I don't love that the one scene that we see a woman on her own, it feels like it's very dangerous. So she needs a man. And I'm not even necessarily saying this from, like, a feminist perspective, like, ah, but just in a, let's have women be aware of the dangers that are there, Mm -hmm. but not 
make them live in fear of riding the subway home by themselves. Like in that way, I didn't love this scene. And so then actually, as I was sitting there kind of wrestling with it, it occurred to me, I wonder if that was her interpretation of what was happening. Sure, yeah. Which which for some reason makes me feel better because yeah. I think there's been a lot of times when I've been walking down a street late at night and I'm getting in my own head and I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, I'm so scared. And then like the guy walking behind me is like, hey man, what's up? And meets up with a friend. And I'm yeah. like, I'm so silly. Like <laughs> I yeah. was building yeah. this whole thing up in my head. And so I'm kind of hoping that is what it was. Yeah. And at the same time, scenes like this kind of continue to perpetuate the need to have that fear. And you're right. right. It's like an awareness and safety is different from like feeling like you need to live in constant fear. And I do think you raise a really good point that in a movie where, again, not saying that this isn't that this is an anti-feminist movie. It certainly is not. But it's definitely a male character centric story. And so in a movie like that, for like you said, the one scene where a woman is by herself, she she right. needs to be protected by a man. Everything you're saying, I think, is an accurate critique. And I will say, I do think that part of my feelings from this are informed by the fact that it is, you know, 22 years later after yeah. this movie yeah. actually came out. And the fact that we just watched Queen. Yes. Totally. And my own experiences of, like, traveling alone. Yeah, I have it, conflicting feelings about it. Yeah. I really appreciate you sharing those feelings for sure. But so now we head into some completely different vibes, which is great. <laughs> um, so we're back in India with Samir and Pooja. Pooja has just broken up with her boyfriend. Um, mm-hmm. And so Samir decides with Sid's encouragement that he is going to tell her how he feels. And so they meet up. He kind of at first stumbles over his words, but he does then eventually like successfully tell her that he has developed feelings for her. Yeah. And she laughs and at what first, is up with this? I know, why do people just laugh? At first I read this as her being like dismissive of him. But then mm-hmm. the next thing we see is them at the movies together. So I think it's maybe more of like a, oh, I'm uncomfortable and I don't know what to make of that laugh. Yeah. But so they go to the movies together. Here we are. We're in what is definitely my favorite dance number. From oh, the yeah, me too. <laughs> yep, yeah. And I knew I was like, there's no way Katie didn't pick this, too. It's so yeah. good. Uh, but so the number is called just like the movie they're seeing, Volard Ki Hei Kahan. They're watching the movie and first Samir sees himself in the mm-hmm. movie. Like he's up there dancing on screen. Um, and then Pooja sees herself in the movie. And there's just like, there's so many great moments where they cut back to Samir and Pooja in the audience. Like what, what is happening? Like, are you seeing this too? And Samir like smokes his popcorn. Like, is this laced with LSD? What's happening? Yeah. Um, and this number, it evokes like three different film eras Mm -hmm. Um, we first get like an old timey setting where he's got a mustache and he's tap dancing I love the mustache (laughs) he looks great and then it's like a 1960s style they're riding unsafely in a car and he at one point is driving the car with his feet and then they're on some cliffs and he's got a sweater tied around his his neck and there's a lot of like Shah Rukh Khan-esque arm openings happening This is like peak Bollywood dance number for me. Like this is exactly the kind of stuff we love. It's a great song. It's super fun. And the number, like the number itself is great. It's infectious. Um, Mm -hmm. And I was so glad that I had never seen it before. And I did get to just like come upon it in the movie and experience it like the way it was meant to be experienced. Right. But yeah, I love a scene where characters go to the movies and Mm -hmm. then envision themselves in the film and I love it I'm like this is always a good time yeah the specific dance that they do is very like flappy like birds birds yes (laughs) and yeah it's just so fun and I love that it it goes from that and then it shows them back in the movie theater and Mm -hmm. they stand up and I was actually expecting them to like get yelled at by the people standing behind them and then no everyone in the theater starts doing the dance too (laughs) Oh my gosh, it's so, so sweet. Yeah, that moment where they stand up and they're just like gazing into each other's eyes. Yeah. And they're in love. It's it's <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. Loved that so so much. So Sid is back home for a little bit and he's hanging out with his mom and she ends up getting him to reveal that he is in love with Tara. Um and his mom reacts poorly to this and she is very focused on the fact that she's older and has been married before 
Um, And she, you know, she's yelling at him and she basically accuses Tara of like having seduced him. Um, And Tara overhears this. She like has just happened to come by for a visit and she's like standing in the doorway and hears his mom say all of this. And she tells Sid that his mom is right and that she doesn't want to be ruining his life forever. And then she leaves and Sid follows her. They end up back at her apartment and he's like, I'm sorry that you found out about my feelings this way, but I'm not sorry that I love you. But Tara is like, no, I'm not in love with you. You need to leave. Mm -hmm. Um, which is heartbreaking for poor poor Sid yeah and I understand what he's saying because he never yeah yeah, he was like I never intended for you to know about this and he just gives that speech but what I love is that like yeah he's not asking her for anything yeah he's he's just like look now you know I'm just gonna tell you and explain myself because you know about it and I need to reassure you And then, yeah, she, like, says no, but I wrote that if I were her and I wasn't already in love with Sid, I would be at this moment. Yeah, because he does have a very mature response to this. And like you said, he's not expecting anything from her, but now she knows. And it's like, yeah, he's just so mature, but also just, like, gentle and earnest and safe. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Sid's easy to fall in love with. Anyway, back in Australia... Um, Akash and Shalini go to the opera together um, and she's looking gorgeous. She's wearing like a drapey bejeweled white dress and she's brought Akash to see this opera Troilus and Cressida um, mm. and she says this we're here to see this because I want to prove to you that love exists. So they're watching the opera. Troilus is dying and he's singing about how he'd die a thousand deaths if it meant that he could see his beloved Uh, Cressida once more Um, but Mm -hmm. Shalini is explaining the plot to Akash and she tells him to close his eyes and think of who he feels that way about I understand that it's about like the who do you love and have this emotion for but I was like this is a little bit over dramatic I think I agree for me personally there were just a few moments that I was like this is too dramatic yeah no it actually kind of pulls me out of it yeah, I agree with that too. That was definitely this moment was definitely like that for me. And what I was hoping would happen because so after this, Shalini tells Akash to close his eyes. He closes his eyes, and he's kind of like cycling through memories and thinking of people he cares about. Mm-hmm. I really thought that he was gonna land on Sid. Me too. I thought yeah. it was gonna be about friendship. And if that had happened, I would have liked this moment a lot more because obviously, like he'd me still too. end up with Shalini at the end. But like, I really thought that that was what was gonna be what happened. But it's not. He thinks yeah. of Shalini and. And so after the opera, he's walking her home um, and they have a moment where he almost tells her that she was the one that he saw. And he very like heavily implies that that's the case. But then ultimately he just like cracks a joke and laughs. Um, And again, Akash just can't take anything seriously in his life, even his own romantic feelings for this woman. Yeah. And it's so stupid because she was ready. Like you could tell in her face, she was like ready to hear him say it Mm -hmm. and that she was receptive to it. And after he swerved away from saying that he loves her, her whole face just kind of like falls. Like she kind of just looks like she's in shock. Mm -hmm. I'm like, you idiot. Yeah. Yeah. But so then Rohit comes out of the house and he's mad at Shalini for seeing Akash. When she goes inside, he like gets physical with her and like actually Mm -hmm. grabs her. He's a terrible person. Yeah. Um, Shalini tells Akash that she's leaving. She's going to marry Rohit. Um, They have a very tense goodbye dinner. Um, at her uncle's house and at this dinner Rohit apologizes to Akash for punching him but Akash is like no man I got off easy if I had been in your shoes I would have killed the man who was looking at Shalini and I hated this because I was like you literally didn't like a few scenes ago we saw you break the tension in a much more like reasonable way yeah I I hate the violence of of him saying that as well because I was just like you know what's not attractive Mm -hmm. Saying that you'd kill a man for, like, coming on to me. And and I think it also shows that this is 2001 because right. I can acknowledge that, you know, as, like, a 10 to 14-year-old, I thought that was, like, the most romantic thing that yeah. a guy could do for a woman that he loves. is like, mm-hmm. because that was what was, like, being propagated through... Exactly books and films and just everything like that like that's what you should desire 
And now I'm just like, violence isn't sexy. No, it's really not. And being able to like, in a different mature way, like actually step in and support somebody in their time of need is so much more attractive than using violence to do it. And I think what's challenging is that this movie is intentionally setting that up to be attractive. Like it's one thing to have that just kind of appear and be an offhanded compliment or comment. Right. It's clearly set up that we're supposed to think that Akash is a good, like, romantic partner because of this. I think he's a much better romantic partner in how he handled the subway scene. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Um, And I made notes about this at the end, but I'll mention this here since it's kind of related to what you just said. I think I really, I enjoyed this movie. I totally understand why it's as popular as it is. Mm Mm-hmm. I think having not seen it when it came out or, you know, more recently after it came out, it doesn't really hold up the same way that some of the other similar movies that we have watched from the same era do because of these little moments. And, Mm -hmm. and so I think like probably a big part of why it's popular for a lot of people is the nostalgia. I wanted to just kind of name that in terms of why I don't feel like I connected as much with this movie. Yeah. But again, still really liked it, still have an appreciation for why others really like it and love Sid and Samir. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. Anyway, so at the end of the dinner, Shalini walks Akash out. Um, he gives She gives him back his jacket and she, you know, names the fact that they both clearly know that he was thinking of her when they were mm-hmm. at the opera. And he doesn't really like own up to this, but she's like, I know that that's where your head is at. And then she says, I'm still marrying Rohit and someday maybe I'll be able to explain to you why that's happening. Mm-hmm. So Akash is super bummed. And he goes home and he picks up the phone to call Samir, but he accidentally calls Sid. And Sid's mom picks up, so he doesn't get to talk to Sid. But so, like, he hangs up the phone and then he just cries. I was like, okay. Like, I do, I feel for Akash in little moments and I also do like Amir Khan. But, yeah. Akash ends up going back home. He has a conversation with his dad where his dad is like, you gotta just tell her how you feel. And... For one thing, I wish that this had come from one of his friends because, like, the whole... Th- like, I wish that it had been Samir because he's still talking to Samir at this point. Right. But then that also made me think about the fact that, like, Samir is the friend who's always there supporting his friends. Mm-hmm. But there's never a moment where his friends are really, like, backing him up. Other than, Supportive like, Sid telling him. him to go and tell Pooja how he feels. But he doesn't even really have an opportunity to ask for that from his friends. Other than when he gets robbed and they just laugh at him. Yeah. Um, anyway, just <laughs> wanted to name that (laughs) yeah but so Akash talks to Shalini's uncle and he learns that she's marrying Rohit because she feels indebted to Rohit's parents and we learn that Shalini is orphaned her uncle who's her only kind of surviving family was too young to really take care of her and so she was raised by her father's business partner who is Rohit's father Mm -hmm. um and so Rohit essentially feels like she belongs to him now because of this. So again, he's a great guy. So the uncle says, oh, well, tonight is tonight's their sangeet, which is like a musical dance ceremony before (laughs) the wedding. Um, Tomorrow is the wedding. So, you know, now is the time for you to go and tell Shalini how you feel about her. So Akash arrives uh, with Samir in tow. He is wearing a black mesh shirt. Um, always have to point out the mesh shirts. Yeah. Uh, now, see, this of... one, I would say, is the proper... Opacity? Yes. <laughs> you cannot see nipples. Like, I saw it, and I was like, is that a mesh shirt? Yeah, I you have to find so. it twice. Yeah. But when you're not sure, I'm like, there it is. That's the sweet spot. But isn't the point of a mesh shirt to kind I... of be able... You know, there are differing opinions, differing No, opinions. I agree with you. I, look, I think I'm pretty anti-mesh shirts in yes, general. Yes, in general, for sure. Um, this was a weird choice in this Yes, case. to go to someone's wedding to declare your love. In a mesh shirt. But so he arrives, everything kind of comes to a halt, and he goes up to Shalini and he says, Hi, will you marry me? <laughs> Bold, uh, but good. Yep. And Rohit sees this, and he, like, comes up, and he's looking really threatening. And then Akash just, like, puts his hand in <laughs> Rohit's face. Uh, because Akash, it transpires, is a witch. Um, I, I said he was using the Force. Yes, yeah, he's a witch <laughs> slash Jedi. Rohit just stops in his tracks. And again, this is an okay way to just, like, intimidate mm-hmm. someone with your eyes. Totally fine. So Rohit's dad actually takes Shalini aside, and when they come back... He's giving this whole speech, very sort of angry, charged speech about how Shalini owes them. They've given 
her everything she could ever possibly have wanted or needed, and she needs to repay that debt by marrying Akash. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Rohit throws a little tantrum. Um, he goes to try to grab Shalini, and then Akash does punch him in the face. But then he helps Rohit get back up after the punch. This punch is maybe okay? I still don't when, think he had to punch him. When he's threatening actual physical harm yes. to another person, I understand feeling like you need to interject with yeah. physical But I back. do think that he pretty easily could have also just, like, apprehended him. He you know what I mean? Like, without a again. punch? There were other options here. Could have just grabbed his arms and, like... Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I've seen too many Bollywood films, but <laughs> I'm like, it can't be that hard to just other... twist his arms behind yes. his back. <laughs> exactly, yes. But anyway, so we're back at the hospital. Samir has been telling this story to Sid, and then we see Akash driving to work the next morning, and he, and this is like the actual next morning of like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the, of where we're at in the timeline of uh, the hospital. So... Uh, Akash is driving to work and he's thinking about old times with his buddies and so he calls Samir and he asks Samir to put Sid on the phone and Akash apologizes to Sid and he asks for his forgiveness but so he tells Sid to turn around and there he is he's standing there in the waiting <laughs> like room like an early us. 2000s rom-com <laughs> exactly you know our two love interests are together and they exchange what I can only describe as a powerful man hug mm-hmm. because they like they hit each other with like a smack (laughs) and they just hold each other yeah and they just hold each other sid then goes into the hospital room to see tara and he's crying um Mm. and she tells him that he is a fine boy um and he and she tells him to be happy and then she says some relationships have no name and she and him will always and then she dies Mm. which is a very dramatic way (laughs) and here I also kind of was like I don't know what it was about it but something about it kind of pulled me out of like no I agree I agree the feelings of the film and it kind of made me roll my eyes a little bit like it's not like the acting wasn't good it was a little over the top and it was also kind of unnecessary I felt I mean so we haven't seen what Sid and Tara's relationship looked like after that moment of her like telling him to leave right so we maybe needed a little bit of something to kind of wrap up their story Mm -hmm. but just kind of like the fact that she dies immediately like (sighs) we didn't need to see her death in that moment (laughs) I think that was kind of what made it seem a little over the top to me Anyway, so now it's six months later, and the boys are back in Goa together, and Pooja and Shalini are there with them, and so they're having a picnic, they're at the same location where they said um, earlier in the film that they were going to meet up in Goa, you know, for a week every year, and so they they go back, they're going to go and sit and join the picnic with Pooja and Shalini, and then Sid looks over, and he sees a real pretty lady, and he makes a beeline for her rather than going and joining his friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as the end credits roll, we see, and the title number plays again, we see the three couples sitting and enjoying dinner together. And that's the end of the movie. Yeah. At the end of this, I was sitting there wondering, like, is this a Friends movie? Like, yeah, what is this? <laughs> because it doesn't actually feel like friendship is the centerpiece fair yeah but it also doesn't really feel like the various romantic relationships are the centerpiece yeah that's my one complaint not really word for it but like critique is that it does feel like there's a beginning a middle and an end but no I do understand what you're saying I think it tries to live in both of those worlds being about friendship and being about love but it sort of doesn't really end up solidly in either mm-hmm. territory. I think that is what prevents this from being a great movie. Yeah. And just puts it in, like, good movie territory for Agreed. me. Agreed. Yeah. No, I agree. And this kind of relates then to my last little comment here, because it never really gets established what the timeline is between, yeah. um, you know, the fight that happens and then the makeup that happens I assumed, watching this movie and how it starts, that it was going to have been years. Me too. And that we would at some point get like kind of a flash forward and we would see these men like out, not just right out of college, but kind of fully aged, well not fully aged, but you know, basically what I'm saying is I don't, I don't understand why they cast two men in their thirties in this movie. I had assumed because they did that, that eventually we would see these men in their thirties, but the whole movie, they're right out of college. Two years. Yeah. Yeah. And 
Farron Akhtar was like in his mid-20s when he wrote this mm -hmm. movie. So it makes sense. Like he's kind of in the mindset of someone who's fairly fresh out of college and like just kind of right. starting to get into life. But it sort of feels like they were just like, let's just cast the two most famous guys we can get in these roles rather yeah. than choosing people who were kind of the right age to be going through this journey. And I well, think that was another sort of point of disconnect for me is the fact that one, like you said, the fight that happens, it doesn't really seem like enough to have totally broken apart this friend group until then you realize that they're only really apart for a few months. And then it's like, well, then really, what was sort of the growth that happened here? But so, and then I wanted to just share, like, this is kind of my Bollywood news, although it's not really like news that's happening now, um, okay. that we do know that Farron Akhtar is currently developing a new movie, kind of in the mm -hmm. same vein as Dil Chatehe and Zindagi, yeah. but with ladies, Yes, <laughs> which is really exciting. So Katrina Kaif, Priyanka Chopra, and Alia Bhatt are confirmed to star in the movie. And I do think it's interesting. We don't know, obviously, what the plot of that movie is going to be or what the age of the characters is going to be, but those three ladies are kind of divided up in age the same way that the three in Dilchatehe are. Alia Bhatt's like 30, Katrina mm -hmm. Cave's like mid-30s, and Priya's in her 40s. So, yeah. yeah. I'm very excited to hear what you researched this week. Yeah, so I was going to, to research arranged marriages, and then I ended up, <laughs> classic, yep. going down a completely different rabbit hole than That's I'd great. originally anticipated. Yeah. So it is about the legal age of marriage... And, like, the average age of marriage for both men and women in India. Again, acknowledging, as you said um, a few weeks ago, that there are lots of people who do not identify as women or men. Um, and, unfortunately, I don't know what the statistics are for people who are gender fluid or non-binary. But I'm sure we'll, we'll have the chance to research that as well. Yes, yes. <laughs> The reason that this first struck me was because I looked it up and I read something that said the legal age of marriage in India is 18 for women and 21 for men. Wait, the legal age is different? Yes. Oh my god. Yes. And just to give you some background, India is like a lot of other countries in the sense that 18 is like the age of majority. Mm -hmm. So at 18, you can vote, you can drive. But if you're a man... When it comes to marriage, you're actually considered a child until you're 21. That is so bizarre. Right? And I was like, why? <laughs> and so... It's like the classic thing of like, oh, well, boys mature more slowly than girls. Right. I'm going to get into that piece of it, but also just some statistics. Mm -hmm. Because even with this legal age of marriage for both women and men... There is still a lot of early marriage happening. So early marriage is defined as people getting married before they hit those legal ages. Mm -hmm. And it is on the decline. But an average of 40% of women married before reaching the legal age of 18. And that this is across India. So obviously yeah. certain states and certain areas, that percentage is a lot higher Whereas in other areas that are more urban, you don't see that quite as much. So again, that's kind of a, a broad brush. That's a huge um, percentage, though. Huge percentage of women marrying before they're 18. And oddly, the percentage of men marrying before they reach the legal age of 21 is like 20 to 25%. Oh, gross. Right. So even just seeing that discrepancy when, okay, men actually have three more years before they're getting married. Yeah. And yet there are fewer of them getting it's, married. It's like at best, we've got a lot of 21-year-olds marrying 17-year-olds, and that's at best. Yes. So odds are it's actually a lot of significantly older men wedding significantly younger women. Yeah. As of 2019 to 2021, the median age at first marriage for women, aged 20 to 49, was 19.2 years old. So, so young. In 2019 to 2021, they pulled women between the ages of 20 to 49 and said, how old were you at your first wedding? And it was 19.2. Wow. For men, aged 25 to 49, it was 24.9 years wow. old. But they also found that in the 25 to 49 year old age bracket, women with no schooling had a median first marriage age of 17.1 years. Wow. 
and women with 12 plus years of schooling, so that includes, you know, elementary school, high school, all of that, um, were 22.8 years old. Wow. So there is this huge difference, which obviously where there is less schooling are more rural areas. um, So this is more common to see early marriage or child marriage in rural areas of India. And there is another stat Among the poorest 20% of India's population, the percentage of women who married as minors could be as high as 75%. Wow. So in 2006, the government tried to address early marriage with the Prohibition of Child Marriage Act, which allowed minors to declare their marriages void and dissolve them. Okay. But the act was actually not enforced. Also, just it seems like it's a good thing, this act, but if a minor wants to void their marriage, they would need to apply to the court. And there's this frankly odd stipulation that they have to be within two years of turning age of majority. Oh my gosh. Which means that they would need to wait until they are like 16. So if you have a 14-year-old girl married off to a 30-year-old man, she'd have to be married to him for two years before she's eligible to apply to the court to have her marriage dissolved. And so what actually happened in the day-to-day living with this Mm -hmm. act is that the cases filed under the act were usually by parents preventing their daughters from marrying partners they chose themselves under the age of 18. You know, so you might have a 17 year old who wants to run away with her boyfriend and her parents would say, can't do it. Child marriage act. Yeah. And very few of those cases are actually brought by daughters or parents who are partaking in an arranged marriage to an older man. Right. Well, this, I mean, this is just like what we see with dowry, where something that was initially intended to be for women and to protect Mm -hmm. women is now being used against them. Right. So that didn't really work. So then in early 2022, the government created a proposal to increase the age for women to get married from 18 to 21. Okay. Just like men. So they are citing reasons of achieving gender parity, promoting women's career ambitions, and deferring child marriages. So all of that's really great, right? Yeah. But there's a lot of critique, criticism about this. And I actually, after reading it, I was like, oh yeah, you're right. And I am also now fully against this, this notion as well. To just start off on the right foot here, the critics are not saying that men's age should remain 21 and women's age should remain 18. They are saying that the men's marriageable age should be brought down to 18. Sure, okay. Let's achieve gender parity that way. Yeah. Instead of having women have to wait until 21. Yeah. For a variety of reasons, not to mention that that's really how it is in most countries anyway. But so... The proposal to increase the marriage age stems from addressing the issues of early marriage that result from deep-rooted societal norms, including that a woman will be safe from sexual violence only if she is married, which we know that's not true in any country. No, yeah. Odds are that if a woman is experiencing sexual violence, it is usually at the hands of her partner and or spouse. Yeah. But yeah, so critics against increasing the age limit for women to marry argue that it takes away women's autonomy. Yeah. They said that, yeah, like I said, 18-year-old women can vote, drive, participate in the Olympics, and act in films, but are evidently not mature enough to make the choice to get married. Right. But, you know, if a woman is caught married before the age of 18 currently, and would be before the age of 21 if this bill went through, they would be imprisoned, or they'd be eligible to be imprisoned for breaking that law. Wow. And so feminists in India are like, interesting that, you know, under this law, a 20-year-old woman would be too young for choice, but old enough to be imprisoned right? um, and face Um, the punishment, which is a really good... A lot of stuff not quite lining up here, yeah. Yes. Critics also argue that the argument of increasing the age of 21 so that women can attain more education and employment is flawed because the cost of higher education is such that many families are likely to pull their daughters out of the education system regardless. Mm. So really, it's just... The infrastructure is not there for them to actually give these women the opportunity to go to school or to get vocational training. Well, and especially like, you know, if if the family is thinking like, well, we can't afford to 
send our daughter to school because we can't even if we do that we can't like afford to feed our family so like why don't we get her married and then when she's like married maybe she she can go to school like so you can and and I'm not saying that that's what I think should be happening but you could see there being a good argument there for like if she gets married when she's younger and then can go to school afterwards when she has that support Mm -hmm. yeah so it's just all of the government's reasons for increasing women's marriageable age are kind of just being like shot down by (laughs) critics and feminists in India and I'm like yeah no I see that and it also raises the question of why not just reduce the men's marriageable age to 18 yeah and the vastly held belief is that it's because it's just rooted in this deep set societal norm that husbands should be older than their wives right which there's a whole argument to be made there that then you know having a man who's farther along in his life than his wife means that he has more money he has more power and is thus able to exert more power over her exactly Um, so it's not necessarily an equal relationship so there's also that concern there and also since the government suggested this again like about a year ago there's been a sharp increase in panic weddings because families are now worried about having to wait until their daughters are older to marry them off which means they'll have to pay more dowry so they're currently like they're scraping together what dowries they can ahead of time they're trying to find suitable matches to try to get their daughters married before this law goes into effect and so inevitably this proposal is actually contributing to more cases of child marriage. Yeah, you've got to think that like whatever hasty choice they're making in that moment maybe isn't as good as if they'd had a little more time to figure out what right. they were going to do. Oh, right. that's really scary. Yeah, and I, I don't say this with judgment for families at all. Like there is this deep set, like, yeah, these deep set cultural norms. Exactly. Um, that people are trying to abide by, but then the government is is saying we're going to do this without, it seems, taking into account mm-hmm. the, the full spectrum of lives and people that they have living in their country. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and so critics of the policy are just calling the government very hypocritical. They're saying that they are cutting spending on public health and refusing to spend more on education and food security. But don't worry, they're concerned about women's health. And they are actually going about it in a way that is curbing women's autonomy even further. As I mentioned before, child marriage is most common in rural areas of India, where women's access to higher education, gainful employment, sex education, and healthcare is most limited anyway in trying to increase the age, which they would want to impact those rural communities so that those women could get more education and get more job training, they, they won't actually get that because the infrastructure isn't in place there. Right. So critics are like, you need to actually go upriver yeah. and fix yeah. this problem instead of kind of throwing a wrench into things that will just Maybe. exacerbate existing issues and not actually solve anything. The argument for true change is grassroots change. So there are people and there are organizations working with individual communities to empower students to say no to child marriage and to work on identifying the children that are most uh, susceptible to potential child marriages and then intervening to provide support to both the families and the child. And so there are ways out of this. I just stumbled upon this thing that I didn't know existed. This absolutely Um, is a part, like this this fits perfectly with the kind of stuff we've been researching recently and adds this whole other context that we didn't have before. And this bill still hasn't been passed. Mm -hmm. So it keeps getting pushed off I think because of all of the criticism that it's drawing right so yeah we'll have to just keep an eye on it yeah again it's women's history month the fight for women's rights and equality for women in India is very clearly still ongoing and we talked about this not just with the dowry conversation but also talking about women in the army in India that fight is still being fought in a way that in the US that fight has kind of shifted where there are still definitely inequities 
And mm-hmm. I think the focus is shifting in a very good and particular way towards women of color and trying to make sure that in particular, we white ladies are listening to the voices of women of color. Right. But it's the fight isn't happening in the same way in the US. I'm not saying that the fight's over because it definitely isn't. But it's so interesting to see where it's at in India. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm really glad that that this is what we talked about as as a part of Women's History Month. Yeah. And I also wanted to just give a quick plug. There's a great book called The Bollywood Affair. The author is Sonali Dev. And the premise of that book is it's this young woman from India who is married in an arranged marriage when she's like eight. And the boy that she is married to is like 12 and has a brother who I think is like eight when she marries the, the, the older brother. Um, and th- But then the story is them as adults. They're not together. They've never lived together. She's never met this family other than on this one day. That book really shines a light on this fascinating concept of child marriage. Thanks for reminding me. I, I added to my list. I also was just sitting here thinking that, yeah, once again, this segment looked at the policy, mm-hmm. but doesn't actually examine the day-to-day life of people yes. who are in child marriages. So I'm putting a little pin in that to circle back around yeah. to at, in a future episode. Absolutely. Wow. Well, thank you so much, Katie. I definitely went in a direction that you wouldn't have expected from Dil no. Chasehe, but certainly valuable. And yeah. yeah, not directly related to Dil Chasehe, but certainly <laughs> important. And I think yes. also as we progress in watching more and more films, obviously, like the big things are going to be taken. And so we probably will end up taking these roundabout ways to interesting topics. And yes. as we expand our knowledge, that will probably just grow. But Drum roll, please. (laughs) (laughs) Announcing our next film. Uh Uh-huh. I am so excited to say that we will be watching RRR. Yeah! So we are venturing into the world of Tollywood. Yes, taking just a quick step away from Bollywood. We will certainly be back. (laughs) So RRR is available to watch on Netflix. Unfortunately, it's only the Hindi-dubbed version. Yeah. Um, So this film is originally Telugu. And I was really hoping that maybe they would have put up the original version on Netflix, but they haven't. And maybe it's available outside of the U.S. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm sure it is. But so just if you're a person living in the U.S. watching RRR, just be aware that what you are hearing is Hindi, Mm -hmm. but the movie was originally filmed in Telugu. Yes. So. And we should say that we are watching the Oscar-nominated RRR. Yeah. Um, and maybe we'll get to say that it's an Oscar-winning film at the time that we're actually watching it and recording. But super excited to watch this movie. I've never seen it. Katie has. Um, yeah. So I'm so excited that this is going to be my first experience with it. Can't wait to talk about it. I have IMDb pulled up for the plot description. A fictitious story about two legendary revolutionaries and their journey away from home before they started fighting for their country in the 1920s. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. Sound accurate to what you know? That is what it is. I am kind of irritated at Netflix because if you try to look up this film on Netflix, it just says, A Netflix top 10 hit in 62 countries. This epic Indian drama was viewed for over 47 million hours globally within the first month. What? So it's not even about the movie. It's just about no. Netflix it's just Netflix like, bragging how, how well advertised this movie. Is. Which is so stupid because yeah. I'm like, oh no, RRR did that. Netflix. Exactly. You yeah, didn't Netflix do that. Didn't do that. The people who made this film did that. Yes. We'll make um, sure to give all of the love in the world to the people who actually made this movie when we yeah. when we talk about it. I'm gonna cryptically say it's about two men who are best friends and don't realize that they are on opposite sides of something. You have teased that for me before, and I really just can't wait to find out the context for that. Oh, God, Kim, you're going to love it. So, yeah, RRR is on Netflix. Enjoy it. And until next time, remember, Bollywood doesn't need us, but we need Bollywood. Mm -hmm. And we'll come to learn... That we also need Tollywood. Yeah, this is very true. We need many of the Hollywoods in our lives. <laughs> but not Hollywood. Hollywood, <laughs> eh, we could take a leave. <laughs> <laughs>